Well, hey there, welcome back to this episode of the Dance Business Daily. Today, I am hanging out with Larry Brewer and we're gonna talk about the power of using dance for good. Check it out. This is Dance Business Daily, a daily podcast where you can always find real talk with real studio owners, where we'll share best practices, success stories, and actionable insights so we can all get a little bit better together. I'm Bryce Conlon and I'll be your guide. Welcome to the show. You ready? Let's get into it. Well, hey there, as I mentioned to you before, dance is, and it's a very common theme on this show, dance is one of those things that we know that we're providing a service of dance, but really you've got time in the classroom to influence young lives. And today I'm hanging out with Larry Brewer and there's nobody who knows this better than him. Larry, thanks for taking a couple minutes to be with me here on the Dance Business Daily. Thanks for having me. All right, so can you start, because you run a very interesting organization. It is a, a nonprofit dance studio. I would love if you could just give us a high-level overview of the studio and the program that, that, you, that you run. Well, we're a nonprofit, and uh, our purpose, our focus is on working with uh, kids from, quote-unquote, underserved communities. Uh, however, we have a, a program that's all-inclusive, so we bring kids together from all kinds of economic backgrounds and um, religious and various backgrounds and get them to work together uh, so they can kind of learn from each other. So where did this idea start from? Because I'm, I'm always fascinated when, um, really when studio owners bring an intentional approach to the work that they're doing rather than just showing up and saying we teach dance we teach ballet to show up and say we're going to use this as a tool to create community connection social change in the world like what was the inspiration behind that well, it was kind of um you know i started dancing or formal dancing uh pretty late you know i went into the marines and got out of the marine corps i was in college and uh, I went to be in a musical theater production. And that's where I started to realize that, you know, I'd been preparing for dance all my life. Uh, and what I learned in that experience was that uh, uh, dance was really expensive, first of all. And um, um, a lot of people in my position, uh, at the way I grew up, could never afford to be taking those kinds of classes. And during this time when I was, you know, just being introduced to formal training and everything like that, I had a lot of people that, uh, I guess, mentored me. You know, I had a, a lady, uh, Denise Kennedy, she took me, uh, we took ballet classes in her basement. You know, uh, she had about three or four kids and myself, you know, I'm a grown man now. And uh, so I'm taking ballet in the basement. Uh, and then we started uh, Martha Graham technique in the basement. And once I got to a place where I could go to a, a studio over in Chicago, uh, she started taking me over there. And all of this was pretty much on her dime. So, oh, wow. uh, right, yes. And so, uh, well, uh, what she said to me when we, when we first started to do the class thing was, you know, I had uh, powerful legs and, you know, nice feet. I just didn't know what to do with them. 
So if I would let her, she would show me. And so, you know, I, I by then I had the bug had bit me, you know. And I, like I said, I had been dancing since I was a little kid, but it was what we would call uh, street dance. You know, we do competitions and all that stuff. But uh, this was a whole different animal. So anyway, as I progressed through this thing, uh, I kept coming into people where they recognized that I had talent and they recognized that this was something I really wanted to do. And so whether it was at IU in Bloomington where I was able to take ballet classes, uh, first I registered and then on down the line, I would just kind of show up and they'd let me take class. And uh, so it was like that. And so when I got back here, and uh, I came back here because I injured myself. When I got back here, that's what I wanted to do. I knew that the way I got to where I was was people taking the time to recognize that I had talent and then cultivating that talent. Uh, and so that's how I got to where I uh, got started with this whole thing. You know what I love about your story? We, we've had a lot of interesting people on the show because the dance world tends to attract folks from all over and all walks of life, right? But you're a first for us. We've never had um, from the Marine Corps to a dance studio. That's a first for us. <laughs> so when you got back, you mentioned that a lot of this was your training was due to really the benevolence of others, people who <laughs> were able to see talent and cultivate it regardless of your maybe ability to pay for it uh, mm -hmm. and help you along on that journey. When you decided, you know, kind of made the decision, you're a dancer, you're back in Northwestern Indiana, right? Um, mm -hmm. And you decide, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open my own studio. I'm going to give to others what has been given to me. Mm -hmm. How, what was your first step? Like, did you, was it that clear that you were going to start a nonprofit or did you start someplace else? Yeah, well, you know, I, I was teaching in a performing arts school. Um, and what I realized was that uh, the kids were only getting um, an hour a day of dance. And these are mm. kids that had aspirations of becoming professional dancers. So I started uh, just staying after school. You know, we would be at school till eight, nine o'clock at night, you know, for the kids that wanted oh, to stay. Wow. And so uh, I started doing that. And then, um, you know, as kids can be, people started realizing that I was staying after school. So they would say that they were staying after school with me, but they weren't. <laughs> and so uh, I moved the program out of the school. Uh, over into a, a place called Gary Artworks. And we started working there. And uh, that's when I actually wrote the proposal uh, for the, how the program would be structured. And so from, in, you know, from the beginning, that proposal uh, was looking to establish uh, two pre-professional programs. One was supposed to be for uh, high school and young adults. And the other one was supposed to be for uh, middle school and elementary, you know? And um, so the whole idea was to 
create a program where we could put the children in a place where they were actually experiencing what it would be like to be in a professional company, you know, have those kinds of responsibilities for uh, coming to rehearsals and, you know, bringing in instructors that had professional experience. And uh, that's where the money came in. So, so let's talk about this because we've talked just a tiny bit about, I think it was before we started uh, recording the episode about how really what you're focused on and your um, understanding is coming in and, and recognizing that, yes, we're going to teach you dance, but we're also going to develop the human being inside of you, for lack of a better word. the um, It's like character development. And I don't know if right. that's the right word, but that's uh, what's yeah, to mind. Yeah, it's, it's um, the other part of my early development was that I got a chance to study with all kinds of people you know, uh, black, white, Indian. Uh, um, so I got to study with all kinds of people. And uh, what that gave me was an understanding that if we are going to create any kind of harmony in this world, uh, we have to really start focusing on the youth mm -hmm. and uh, get them the opportunity to work with people that are different from them and uh, on a common project, you know? So what we would do is we will have uh, a group of kids working on a, some choreography and uh, they're, they're supposed to put that piece together. And it's not supposed to be just one of them, it's supposed to be all of them. And so once they're doing that and they're, they get into it and they're almost competing with the next group of kids over here, uh, you get a situation where they are not focused on uh, the differences you know, they're focused on the dance. And what we found out is that I have kid, uh, kids that have transferred from affluent schools to our school in Gary because they wanted to dance. They wanted to study dance. And they had okay. been, they worked with kids after school. Uh, and so they found out that they had a common, they had a common goal and that they liked a lot of the same things. You know, so that was our that was our primary or secondary goal. You know, of course, we wanted to create a situation where uh, kids from the inner city uh, could get the training to send them on to the next level. So let me ask you, because because this is really this is fascinating to me, the idea that it's again you packaging up these life skills because <laughs> what you just described um, collaboration right so mm -hmm. we're going to bring you together to work with people who are different than you um, mm -hmm. there's uh, taking responsibility because we're part of a team and if you don't carry mm -hmm. your weight then the whole team suffers there, you know these are like these are really big life lessons and when, mm -hmm. when i talk to most studio uh, owners that I talk to agree with that. They would say the same thing is that we're doing like, we're not really teaching dance. We just teach dance plus all these other life skills. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I push mm -hmm. on that and say, okay, but what is your process for teaching responsibility or collaboration or, um, really, you know, these big things, 
the answer is becomes a little more vague. It's like, well, <laughs> it's just kind of time in the classroom and it happens naturally. But you've been very intentional about designing that in your in your system. So for our listeners, other studio owners who may be wanting to level that up and build more leadership within their students and build more connection and build mm -hmm. more, um, you know, uh, not harmony, I think is the word that you used. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Like, how, how should they begin to think about that process in a, from a very practical way? It's, it needs to be from the start. Okay. Mm. What we have in, in our application, you know, we have uh, a code of conduct, you know, that talks about respect and all that kind of stuff and things that, you know, can get you out. Uh, so it has to, and this is something that the parents and the, the child, the student, they both have to read it and they both have to sign it. So there's no uh, ambiguity about uh, how you should be carrying yourself, conducting yourself in the studio. Now, honestly, the only, I had one instant, instance over the, we've been 2001 to uh, where I had to put somebody out for violating the code, the code. Uh, and, you know, people thought that because they were good good dancers that uh they wouldn't be put out and uh or that i was just going to put them out for a little while and uh then bring them back you know uh that didn't happen and it was painful but you have to uh if you start to make changes in the rules because of somebody's ability or what you think is an asset to your program, then you start to get people uh, that may not have the abilities that this person has uh, to feel like they're somehow being treated differently. So you have to uh, start out from the beginning, let everybody know what you want to do. Uh, and then you have to model it. You know, you have to model it with the uh, staff. You have to model it with the administrators. And, uh, you know, the quote unquote, really, really good dancers, they have to carry the load, you know. So uh, for us, that has been uh, our model. And uh, again, um, we don't, we don't, like we're not, you know, but we expect respect mm -hmm. for, for everybody, you know, from whether it's staff, whether it's the students, we expect for everybody to be respectful and do their job. So that, so that's a really interesting thing. So when you start, it's almost like a, like a, it's an agreement. It's a, mm -hmm. you know, it's what it sounds like where it's mm -hmm. at our studio, we X, Y, and Z. Right. This right. is how we behave. This is appropriate. This is acceptable. And this is not. And mm -hmm. so you cross the line. Is it like a, do you guys have like a three strike policy? Is it more relationally driven? How do you oh, handle uh, that? There's, there's some things that we just don't tolerate, you know, like what, like what are some of the things that you well, don't tolerate? Uh, the kids, the, and it was uh, two or three of them. The kids that got uh, put out, got put out because they were involved in a gang thing, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, 
Uh, they went off to meet another group of uh, people in a, from another neighborhood or whatever, and they had a, a row and they videotaped it. Mm. You know, you know all that that kind of thing. And so, uh, of course, it got back to me. And when I looked at it, you know, it was no question because that's one of the things that will get you put out. You know, I mean, that's that's a no. There's no negotiation, zero tolerance for gang shit. I mean, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're being real. Bring it. Yeah, I, you know, I I I don't believe that uh, gang activity is something that's uh, that should be tolerated and that uh, should be seen as a part of the lifestyle of the community or whatever. So for us, uh, if you want to have that kind of lifestyle, then you might want to go to another place because you're not going to get in here. Fascinating. So as a nonprofit, one of the, cause I'm, I'm putting myself in the position of our for-profit studios who are mm -hmm. maybe hearing this and, and thinking to themselves, well, you know, as a nonprofit, you have other sources of revenue, right? There's potentially grants and you've, mm -hmm. you've got donors and, you know, the, it, it can come from other places. Mm -hmm. As a for-profit business, you have to make your money from your kids, you know, from mm -hmm. them themselves. My question for you is, do you think that you would run your business differently? You if know, you were a for-profit, um, like, would you still have that kind of code of conduct? Oh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, uh, I had a friend um, uh, before I got, before I started teaching at the Performing Arts School and all that stuff, you know, I, I did some work with him and I was just fascinated at how well he managed the kids you know, and how well they responded to what he wanted. And so uh, what he told me was that if you want your students to respect what you're doing and to listen, then you can't give them tissue paper performances. You need to put them in a position where what they're doing makes them feel important makes them feel like they're a part of something special. Now, when they feel like they're a part of something special, then they'll be willing to do what it is you're asking them to do. So uh, as far as uh, when it comes down to being profit or not for profit, uh, I think that our responsibility in working with kids is to have that kind of commitment. Okay, so if you're a for-profit studio that uh, does competition and, and stuff like that, uh, and you want to win, okay, you can't sacrifice the need to win. You can't compromise the values that you teach the kids, you know, because if you do that, what you're doing is you're creating little antisocial folks that are going to grow up and expect to 
be uh, receive the same kind of treatment or have be able to do the same kind engage in the same kinds of behavior. So you have to take the uh, um, initiative. Um, I suspended folks uh, for changing music uh, in a competition. And these were all folks that had won championships. Right? This is when at the, at the school level, I was uh, the Indiana High School Dance Team Association. These are all kids, they came in, they won first, second, and third uh, the first year we went in in the um, junior solo category. Just so they just were beasts. So the next year they decided that uh, they were going to change the music since I wasn't there, change the music at a performance we'd set up. So they did this and the rest of the people, the rest of the kids didn't know the music had been changed. So they come to a performance and they're, they're telling them what they're gonna do. Anyway, I suspended them, you know, right before we were supposed to go to competition. And that's because they did something that would get them fired in the professional world. So why would I, why would I allow them to do that just because they are state champions? You know, so there is no, I mean, at least to me, there is no justification for uh, putting kids in a place where they will not learn a valuable lesson, you know? So, yeah. And uh, one of the kids right now, he's uh, one of the principal dancers for Alvin Ailey. And uh, he was telling me um, during the pandemic, that's when we had all this time off. He was telling me how they just knew that they were going to come back. I wasn't going to keep them suspended, you know? And he said that that was the best lesson that he learned uh, during the time that he was with me wow. was because that made him know that as being a professional dancer, that he couldn't do what other people were doing. And he watched them make those kinds of mistakes and be fired. You know, so, yeah. So you're really, I mean, you're really teaching life, which I appreciate mm -hmm. and you're doing it intentionally by uh, creating a systems of accountability where it's, mm -hmm. this is allowed and tolerated and this is not. Mm -hmm. um, and getting people to buy in and agree. And so I love this because we've talked often on this particular show about the importance of creating value-based teams in your mm -hmm. studio and mm -hmm. what i'm really hearing you say and i absolutely love it is you take it a step further you're saying yeah we have that for our team or like the staff mm -hmm. that runs the studio that in your mm -hmm. case the nonprofit, the instructors and uh, faculty and stuff but you also are requiring students to get on board too and so you really truly are building community um, rather than just you're not just teaching dance, you're building community and teaching these kids how to be a part of something larger than themselves. Right. Absolutely. Really cool. And mm -hmm. that's really practical. Like anybody can apply this for-profit, non-profit. Anybody can do that. I absolutely oh, yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. You just have to, um, you have to be willing to um, 
sometimes lose. You know, you have to be willing to sometimes uh, not make a lot of money. You know, uh, you have to be willing to stand up to parents, you know, and, um, and that's probably the hardest thing, you know, uh, but you have to be willing to do that, you know, because uh, if you don't, then you're doing a disservice to the people that you say you're trying to help or you're trying to train. Man, Larry, I absolutely love this. So if you can believe it, we're already like nearing the end of our time together, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. If folks, like, clearly you've got a lot of wisdom and experience packed up in that, in that head of yours. Uh, mm -hmm. If folks wanted to reach out and get connected to you, ask some questions, what's the best way they can learn more about what you're doing? Well, um, you can go to our website. I think my, uh, uh, my contact information is there. That's uh, southshoredance.org. Uh, we're currently uh, rebuilding it, uh, but the information is there. So you can reach me through there. Um, and that's probably it, the best way. Well, I love it. Well, Larry, I want to say thanks again for just showing up and being willing to share honestly and authentically and with a really mm -hmm. unique perspective on how to use dance as a tool to really, mm -hmm. truly intentionally develop these kids into responsible, accountable, well-rounded adults. I really, mm -hmm. really appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Hey, and you're welcome. Thank you for, uh, again for inviting me. My pleasure. All right, well, that's it for this episode of the Dance Business Daily. That was Larry Brewer with South Shore Dance and really, really valuable stuff in there. I hope that you take what he said and caught the magnitude of specifically take the culture that you're building with your team and extend it to your students. They are capable um, of growing up into that environment. You have a responsibility as caretakers of the children when the parents are away to steward them well, to grow them up. And Larry's given us some practical advice on how to do that. So well done and thank you to him. If you want to hear more uh, episodes just like this, more insight, actionable takeaways from dance studio owners just like you. You can always find us at thedancebusinessdaily.com. And don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. Talk to you soon.